and now a show on the go. We are talking metal in a car, which is made of metal. That's right. Three, two, one. Hi, everybody. This is Rob Halford, the Metal God, and we're talking rock with Dave and Shane. A chat with the priest. It's time to confess. Rob Halford is on the show. Yes, he is. Wow, yeah, it's hard hard to believe we're saying this. Isn't it? I know, I, I still can't believe it, and it was a, some days ago now. We were blessed, and we must confess this was a great, great time. We're gonna give you a little teaser this week, but next week, watch, watch out. out. Yes. But it was nice, nice of you to invite me here. And from the priest to the church, oh. Steve Kilby is also here talking with him live from Australia. He's been busy this year. That's his fourth record. And uh, we had a blast talking to him as well, working on it. It's the creative process. And what he's up to next, yeah. And from Australia to Detroit Rock City, Dave Edwards of The Look. Yes! You saw them on MTV back in 1981. If you're old enough, if not, look up that video. He's played with everybody. He talks about the Detroit sound. If you're a fan of power pop, this is your band. The Look was a fantastic Detroit act, and still to this day, they remind me of Cheap Tricks. They're just so good. Yeah, amazing. Plus, of course, record reviews and some new releases, and uh, just so much more rock and roll goodness. Absolutely. Come on, baby! still feel the excitement. Rob Halford is on the Woo! show. That's all you need to know. No, I'm kidding. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Dave. This is the Vital Master Shane. Are you ready to rock? Oh, my gosh. How are you feeling? 30 minutes talking to Rob Halford about his new book, Confess. Uh, it's the autobiography. And oh, my gosh. I got the book right here, and I can't yeah. put it down. Seriously, help me. I, I, can't, I can't get it out of my hands. So. A great, great read. Uh, an enjoyable fun. There's so many anecdotes. If you're a priest fan. Yes. Like run, don't yes. walk. Go check it out. It's 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 yeah. I, yeah. I'm speechless. I know it's it's it'll be available uh, at the end of the month um, by 9:29 uh, on um, uh, Hatchet Books hardcover there. Uh, but so cool. I mean, just uh, he had so many stories, and what a lovely guy. Yeah, he's a real sweetheart, and uh, it totally blew us away. Um, getting a chance to to ask him some of these questions. Yeah. We've, We've been wandering for years and, mm -hmm. you know, or a lifetime because, I mean, I was listening to Priest when I was about 12, yeah. 10, somewhere yep. in there. And, I got uh, into them in college and, yeah. And it's just, a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is, you know, uh, he, he, Rob Halford said he was not going to hold back. He, right. There's an interview. He, he talked about, um, he was teasing the fact that he was working on this book for a while. And he did not hold back. No, he does not at all. Not at all. Beware. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's. Uh, yeah. You. This is not a family book. No. As they say, this is not a family show. Well, this is, but the book is. Hide, it, hide this yeah. one under your mattress. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but you know, and he talks a lot about you know dealing with addiction, um, the the isolation of you know as a gay man. Um, going through that uh, for, for decades where nobody knew and he's fronting one of the biggest bands in the world and yeah. you know if he comes out and bees who he is will that ruin the band and this I mean he, he talks about all of this and it's just really compelling and just a just an incredible guy who has seen the world and is still rocking and rolling yeah it's just they're just as good as ever and uh, 
Really, really, really uh, can't wait for you to hear this interview. We, we, we really enjoyed yeah. doing it, and uh, Dave was up all night. Um, I couldn't, could not sleep. <laughs> I was probably tossing and turning, too, <laughs> at some point over the past week. Yeah. But uh, this weekend's been great, and we're just having a blast being yes. able to get a chance to share this with you. Yeah, here's a little bit right now. You know, we always see you on stage, but there's always the personal story and everything else. And I think for you talking about, um, y you know, keeping inside, you know, everything from your sexuality to other parts of your life and, and all of that. I mean, when when you reveal so much in this book and so many things over the years, too, I'm just wondering, like, did it feel what was it? Was it cathartic to release all of that? Yeah, it was very, very cathartic. The is what music does for us. We let our emotions really um, show themselves in, in, in all their rawness because that's that's what truth and honesty and love uh, to a great extent is all about. So yeah, I mean, I think I think the book really hit me hardest hardest the most when I actually did the audio because um, headlines and shirts had said that obviously that was going to take place the audio book was going to happen and did I have any ideas as to who might, uh, might read the book out loud besides the, the fact that they would like me to uh, consider uh, reading the book myself so you know, I thought about it for a while and, and I, you know, it brought me back to the fact that this book is, is called Confess and it is um, about my life in, in its entirety from, from a, an honest truth points of view and what better way to get the story across the messages across than to actually read it yourself so it was it was during that process it took about a week or so to, to get it down properly when i say properly it's because i'm such a perfectionist you know? mm -hmm. right I'd, I'd, I'd read it i'd read like three or four lines and go let me do that again you know, like i do my goal or something i feel i can always do a better job so coming up from the metal god and wow how cool just Dude, I, i'm I, still I, I i mean i've got goosebumps i've got goosebumps yeah. it's just he, he was what an honor a gentleman and uh we have a lot more stories to, to, to tell yeah. and uh he uh we got to talk to him for quite a while mm -hmm. and uh we'll be sharing that with you over the next two weeks yep the full part one will be next week yeah and uh, you're gonna love it folks confess the autobiography is the book and uh on just, hatchet book yep. group yeah, just a yeah. great read, man. I I, uh, I plowed through that thing, man, like two days. Me too. It was it was <laughs> such an easy read. It just flowed, you know. If I, you're a priest fan, it yeah. Just, it, I, I mean, all the little stories about the song, yeah. what this song was about, who worked on that song, this, that, and the other thing, all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. It really uh, makes a lot of the the, the songs come alive and yeah ways the story. to learn about them yeah and the recording process and what was going on around that time everything too do you feel like um i, I wonder if it's different with british writers i, I don't know St with um steve hackett i felt the same thing like the book it the music came alive and it was just su such a charming and and accessible quick read you know yeah. it was just different i don't know they, they were two completely different reads right uh, very different Rob, but they, they had a flow yeah yeah um both had, uh, you know, they obviously had that creative, poetic mm -hmm. yep. style of writing. Uh, Queen's the, English, perhaps. The, yeah. yeah, the descriptions <laughs> for both, especially for the yeah. for their youth. I, I could never 
so vivid. I, honestly, I can't. I don't even know if I could remember stuff. Yeah, like I know. I, I I remembered my big wheel, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you, know? you really learned how Rob respected his father. You really yeah. learned how he had a fascination with the Royals. Mm -hmm. How he got together with Ian yep. and uh, a love of uh, theater, music brought him to Judas uh, Priest. Fantasy, you know. Yeah. Yep. We're not even really, we're not going to scratch the surface. Yeah, there's yeah. so much stuff in the yes. book that I'm going to probably go back and read it a second time just to yeah, I think digest so some of the. And then there was also the, the other stuff we won't really talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's a little, um, you know. Uh, it was saucy. Graphic, yep. But uh, yeah. yeah. But it's but, all, but it's honest. It's all honest, he says. And uh, you will hear. Uh, well, we don't cover all that stuff, but uh, part one, uh, yeah, next week. We and, can't uh, wait to share uh, yes. these interviews, and uh, once the book comes out, we can we can actually play stuff mm -hmm. for you, and yep. we can't wait to do it. So. That's right, absolutely. Stay tuned! And uh, from the priest to the church. Oh, yeah! I've been waiting to do that. <laughs> I know. Turned me on to the church. This fantastic uh, band, a kind of a new wavy sound, yeah. right? Big in the mid '80s, big all over, and uh, and I'm I'm hugely into them now. Yeah. And of course, Steve Kilby. And uh, this was you. You set this one up. Yeah, I think Steve would probably get mad at you for saying new wavy. But well, I, I okay, I, I don't mean it in it. I said that love. We learned. I didn't. Yeah, I did. But he, uh, Steve, is a, a classicist, and yeah, his the, the church's music kind of comes from Bowie, mm -hmm. Bolin. Dylan, yes, Beatles, great, great love of both, and of uh, yeah. big church fans. So we figured uh, he has a new record out. We just really wanted to talk to him about because mm -hmm. his new record, Eleven Women, is just staggeringly good. And he did it in three or four days, like yeah. just a short, short time. And he talks about just how, just how he's in constant creative mode, and uh, he goes where the music takes him, and uh, it's brilliant. And thank you, Shane, for turning me on to, to them and. We're honored to share uh, the church and, and uh, of course, uh, Steve Kilby, his solo work with you and talk by talking about it. And uh, here's a little bit of that right now. Kilby, the legend from the church, and of course, incredible solo work. Welcome to our program. Uh, so great to talk with you live from Australia. Uh, what's going on there right now? How are you doing, and uh, what's going on in your world? Uh, uh, I know it's morning there now. <laughs> well, it's morning, it's spring, um, temperature's about 70 degrees. Um, it's a lovely day in Sydney. Um, we've seen, at the moment, we seem to have COVID under control. Oh, that's good. Uh, so so things are a lot more sort of, um, they're not as bad as they have been. Well, it's definitely and, sounds, sounds um, like the place to be. <laughs> it is. No, it is. It is. It's always a good place to be. Sydney is a great city. Um, and um, I've just had a swim and... Uh, yeah, nice. Ready to talk nice. to you guys. <laughs> well, we really appreciate this, Steve. Um, yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, uh, in America, we're not dealing with this uh, as well as your as your country, but um, things are still pretty messy here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and and England too. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm really worried that um, I may never get to tour. America again, you know, like it's, oh, uh, yeah. by the time it's, it's all over, I might be pushing up that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I can't have that. All right. I won't say. Yeah. Right. Ignore that remark. No, no, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it will strike that. <laughs> I'm going to live forever and COVID's going to be over next week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope. We're hoping. Soon enough. Yeah. What was your last uh, tour like through the States? I mean, what, what were your kind of your last round of memories uh, coming through this way? It was an, ama it was an amazing tour. Um, it was really, we had, we had really good crowds. Um, we had a great time. And um, 
unfortunately, at the end of that tour, uh, on the at the very last song, during the very last song of the very last uh, show of the tour, our drummer broke his foot and oh, got a couple oh, wow. of blood clots. Oh my yeah. gosh! Oh jeez. Mm. We were playing at a winery, and um, they had these hay bales, and um, to sort of uh, keep the audience away from I don't know why but to keep the audience away from the stage and at the end of the at the end of the last song the drummer in a celebratory mood ran out the front and ran on a hay bale and fell off and broke his foot and was very lucky oh. he didn't get um, a, have a stroke on the way home in the plane oh, the said he was extremely lucky because he broke he broke his foot and he got a couple of blood clots yeah so terrifying so yeah, that's dangerous stuff, Steve. I mean, what? Uh, so that you left kind of in a in a bad way, huh? <laughs> Hopefully, you can come back in a in a really good way. I hope so. Um, we're really uh, we had a we had a huge year lined up this year. We were we were touring um, Europe. We were touring America and. We were doing a church convention in England, mm. um, and everything got cancelled. So um, I see that the, the church have a gig next year at a festival um, in Australia. But you know, things change a little. You know, just you know, things just suddenly flare up and everything gets cancelled again. So yeah. You know, people say, "Can you do? Can you play here? And can you play there?" I go, "Yeah, sure." You know, um, let's wait and see, because nobody really knows what's going to happen now. Right. Well, uh, the the new solo album, uh, Eleven Women," is is just a, it's just fantastic, Brilliant. Steve. Oh my gosh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's up there with uh, some of your greatest works, in my opinion. What? The, the thing that's amazing about this record is you did it in three days and um, mm -hmm. where, where did all this uh, I guess my question would be like where does your inspiration come from you're still probably one of the most active artists I know I'm a professional photographer and I have to fight burnout all of the time how do you get around that well <clears throat> I've never had writer's block um, ever Wow. Um, I just, I, I, but you know, like I'm, I'm like a, it's really the only thing I'm good at is writing songs and I can write, a, I can write songs whenever I like. And I just, you know, if I say I'm going to write a like right now, I could write a song if I wanted to. Um, so I don't sort of get burned out and it's kind of a lovely writing songs is not a thing that sort of burns you out like, um, you know, digging a hole or working in a in a lawyer's office or something. Mm -hmm. um, and I just uh, <clears throat> so I was on Instagram doing these shows, and I was learning uh, one of my old albums every week. And I thought <laughs> thought to myself, it'd be easier to write a new one than learning an old one <laughs> and more productive. No, so I. Yeah. No, no, no. I was just, I was just gonna say. I mean, I, um, it, it, it's, it must be just such a wonderful gift for the music to, to constantly flow and, or the ideas at least. And I wonder, do you, do you ever feel a need to, as a, you know, as you get that creative inspiration to, sort of structure it or guide it, or do you just let it, wash over you and and the music takes you wherever it wants to take you. I, I. Everything I do now, whether I'm, whatever I'm doing, I let it go wherever it wants to go. Mm. And I feel like, I feel like it does want to go somewhere. And when I first started trying to write songs, oh, so long ago, gentlemen, so long ago when right. I first started, I was trying to control it. I was trying to force it. I was trying to go this song's going to be like this, it's going to do that, and it's going to... And then I realized as the years went past, the more I could sort of get out of the way and let it happen. And then 
working with different musicians over the years, working with Grant McLennan from the Go-Betweens and seeing he how he wrote songs, he just used to pick up a guitar and go, oh, I was walking, you know, down the street. And, uh, <laughs> and suddenly the whole song would come out. And I'd go, where'd you get that from? And he'd sort of go, I don't know. It was just sort of, it was just there when I asked for it. Um, I I really incorporated that approach when I was doing Eleven Women. Um, I said I was going to write a, I was going to write ten songs in a week. And wow. every morning I'd just get out my guitar and I'd start singing. And this, this, one morning I I got a little behind, so one day I wrote four songs on Eleven Women in a row, like just wow. bang, 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 bang. Wrote four of those songs, and then. Because they, they were all fully formed in my head and I could play them, I just went in the studio and got a drummer, you know, uh, Barton that I worked with, and we just we just put all the put all the he, he played drums, and I played the twelve string guitar, right, and we put them all down. And the other guys, uh, Gareth on on the Spanish guitar, and Roger came in on keyboards. And everybody, it was all just done in one or two takes. All the vocals, everything was just done um, sort of quickly. And I read David Bowie was recording like this with the Spiders of Mars. He would teach them the song and then he'd give them one or two takes. And I think that's a really good antidote for all the sort of quantized, tuned music that you hear on the radio these days all that music that's just so processed and yep. uh, yeah. you know all, it I, I just hate it I, I like i, I want to um, i just want to get back to that kind of raw mm. feeling of humans playing instruments and making mistakes and you know i, I just want to get away from that fucking structured feeling when it comes to to you steve i um again this album is just mind-blowing um it's got that shimmering, shimmering guitar of yours yeah, that yeah. Uh, Dave and I were talking about right before uh, you called, and, and it sounds amazing. What? Yeah. How do you get that sound? That twelve string just. I think. I think it's. Um, I think what a lot of you, what people are hearing, is twelve string, twelve mm. string guitar. Um, so I've always, I've always played. Um, and I've always written on 12-string guitar. Mm. Um, it's really funny. Um, my 12-string guitar was in the shop, and I was playing the six-string, and a friend of mine was over, who wasn't really looking at what I was doing, and said, gee, your guitar doesn't sound so nice tonight. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And I sort of sounds sort of empty and kind of flat, and I'm going, that's because it's a six-string and not a 12-string. <laughs> um, I think that I think that twelve string thing is is kind of, I mean Bowie too, um, Bowie always and he always seemed to have that same guitar that he'd had all his life. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't even a really good one. It wasn't an Eston, or it was like a. It wasn't one of the big, expensive makes. It wasn't a Gibson or a Fender or yeah, or anything. Sure I think it was an. Was it an Eston or I can't remember? Sure. What was it? It, it the headstock yeah. is different. It was a different kind of headstock that I did not, I, I never yeah. saw anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he always had that. Um, I remember um, when I was a kid, um, a guy. I had a bass guitar. Um, a kid at school had a twelve-string guitar, and he said. Um, Let's swap for a while, and, and I'll, I'll play your bass for a while, and you play you play the uh, twelve string. I took the twelve string home, and once you start playing on a twelve string, it sounds really empty. Going back to a six, mm, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't yeah. sort of sound right. So, yeah. um, not 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 only because of Bowie, but um, but definitely, you know that. That helped me carry on with always having a twelve-string, seeing that you know Bowie was using one. Well, talk to us a little bit about the the impetus for the for eleven women. I mean, how did this this come about? Uh, kind of, 
can you walk us through kind of what the how this whole thing okay. whole thing started well um luckily about a week before the whole COVID thing exploded i was doing a i was doing a i made i'd made an album with an australian female singer i've written the lyrics and we were she showed me um something i didn't realize that is you could do, go live on instagram mm. and i didn't realize i didn't know about that function and um she said oh yeah look she said we're live now and held it up and look there's people watching and everything so about a week after sort of covid happened and all the shows got cancelled you know i'm sitting there i'm going wow what am i going to do for my fix of adulation now <laughs> you know because like you know, it's like, if you're a musician, you want to play to people. Mm. And I can't work out if that's just ego or, you know, you're, like, I, I, I don't I don't sort of want to write things and keep them to myself. I don't want to write a nice song and no one ever hear it. The first thing I do when I write a nice song is I want people to hear it. So I wonder, I wonder what I was going to do. And then I was, about a week after COVID, I just randomly got on the Instagram, you know, and went, oh, I'm just going to play a bit of a show. And I played a show and people really liked it. And they, a few people sent me some money and said that was great. And it started becoming a weekly thing. Yeah. In fact, I may be so bold as to say I was probably one of the very first people in the world to start doing it. Mm. After about three weeks, though, everybody was doing it. And I remember <laughs> one night about five months ago, there was a, like a there was a list of all the people who were doing Instagram shows in Australia that week, and there was hundreds to choose from. Wow! Yeah. Um, it was like a whole a whole. But I not I mean I, I was I was one of the for whatever it's worth I was one of the first guys to do that. Um, so. Then um, I was just doing random sets, and then one week I said, I'm going to play a whole church album, and, every, you know, this whole album, you know, uh, in its entirety, in the order. And then I, I'd spend all week learning my old songs so I could play them, and um, I had to go back and figure them out because mm. I hadn't played them for a long time. I had to figure out how to play them and relearn all the words and everything. And I thought to myself, wow, it'd be easier to actually write a new album rather than go back and learn old ones. Yeah. And I thought, I thought I would show people how cavalier I was about writing songs. I said, I'm going to write a, a brand new album, I'm going to play it next week, and then I'm never going to do it again. And so I wrote the songs in a week, and it was just 10 songs at that stage because I wrote one the next day after I, I had it had its video premiere, I wrote it. I wrote the last song, and I thought, "Well, I've got to put that on the album." And um, I couldn't leave it alone. I couldn't. I couldn't um, let the songs just go just from that one performance. So I decided to, uh, you know, record it properly. And the eleven women, the the thing, I'd always had this idea of. Uh, a song, an album where every song is a different woman, mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of what it is. Each each song is a woman, you know. Like it could have been eleven cities, or eleven colors, or eleven bowls of fruit, but it, it just happened to be eleven women. So I like I like that idea. It's like looking for a photo album, of, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's the, the pictures or something. Yeah. Well, it's and I've heard our artists say before too that songs are kind of like people or take on human qualities, and so it's such a unique. Um, I think going in recording that way, it's such a very unique and original idea. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, S Steve, I've had several several of my friends who are church fans ask me to ask you, <laughs> who is Shiba Chiba? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, well, like like with everything, um, everything is a everything is a mixture of truth 
and fiction and composites like so Sheba Chiba like all the 11 women are composites of people are bits and pieces bits of truth bits of fiction mm. um, you know no there's no there's no total fact but nor is there any total fiction and I don't know I sort of I think by defining who she is too much, I, I it would sort of ruin the song. Right. Okay. That's, that, that's that's one of the that's one of the problems with lyrics. I think yeah. is to is obviously people will say, well, what's this about? And you have to kind of say what it's about, but you don't want to totally say what it's about. Otherwise, it ruins the role of the imagination in conjuring up. You know conjuring up um, when you hear that song you imagine your own Sheba Sheba when I listen to Sweet Thing by David Bowie I'm glad I never met him and you know I sat down and went hey Dave what's Sweet Thing all about and he right. sort of spelled it out bit by bit by bit I think <laughs> it's good it's good not to really know and it's good to let the ambiguity kind of exist Shiva left in LA She sold dope to Dorian Gray She chucked out a person and took it astray Sometimes you gotta give it away More to come from Steve Kilby and what a sweet guy. Dude, sweet, sweet guy. One of our favorite interviews again. We yes, yes. But it keeps getting better. And it, it does, it does. And, 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 you know, for me, learning about his catalog and being more... Um, new to his uh, work, I felt right at home talking with him because I, I appreciated his approach to the artistic craft. Yeah. It was beautiful. Just a sweet guy, a wonderful guy, and a thousand thank yous, uh, Mr. Kilby, sir. And we have some cool surprises coming up in the weeks to come yes. fr from Steve. He dropped a few oh, yeah. bombs and uh, exciting news, and mm -hmm. we can't wait to share that with you or have Steve share that with you. Uh, unless he does it on Instagram first. <laughs> he might. <laughs> he loves Instagram. He does, and, yeah. Uh, that's how uh, we talked to him, and uh, mm -hmm. he graciously uh, decided to come on the show, and we just had a blast with yeah. him. One of the, one, seriously, it was. It was. We got we got chills on. You know, our hair was standing up on our. Yeah, arms, so. yeah. I, my hair is short, and it was standing up. So that's how good it was. Yeah. <laughs> my hair is long, and was, I guess that was static. Yeah, I guess so. Who knows? Now he static rock. Can't wait to talk to him again as well, mm -hmm. and uh, we're looking forward to uh, that in the future. Absolutely. On to records, and uh, yes! this is a long, long list that you have, and uh, it's you're adding some more to it. Yeah, I, this is. Uh, I'm going to start with this one because uh, this one is probably one of the pinnacles of live recordings yeah. of the band. Mm. Uh, big, big influence on me growing up, and uh, you're you're now a huge fan of these guys, mm -hmm. the mighty UFO. Mm. Uh, Pete Way, rest in peace. Yes. And Paul Raymond. And Paul Raymond. Jeez. And uh, this... Uh, we lost both of them very... I feel like within a year and a half, we lost both of them. We were talking to another artist uh, last night as well, and he, he said, uh, basically, uh, it's just becoming the year that we're never going to forget. Yeah. Yep. Especially for uh, artists and filmmakers and actors, you name it. Mm-hmm. But this album is regarded by many metal fans as one of the finest live albums of all time. Mm. Up there with Unleashed in the East, up mm -hmm. there with uh, Live Alive. in Tokyo. Live in, yep, yep. Uh, so many, uh, there's like, I, you know, Worldwide Live, there's there's a lot of records that, uh, this one beats them all, I think, personally, it's my, my opinion. It's gonna be a six disc set. Um, I mean, it's going to be six full concerts. Mm. Actually, I'm sorry, I correct myself. It's six full concerts, eight CDs. Wow. And it's UFO with the deluxe version of Strangers in the Night. Amazing. Amazing. They, what, uh, year was, what year was that? They made six shows okay. in October of 1978 mm. on their American tour. And fans at the time said this, they, they described it as like, it was just this greatest hits thing. 
And Shanker was just in, you know, blistering form. Yeah, just peak. At his peak. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, there, I remember the pictures of Michael from that store, and I was like, I want to be like him, you know? <laughs> and uh, it was kind of my introduction to him was this record. And uh, we played the crap out of this album at our house, and I'm so excited for this. Six concerts, five have never been heard mm. by anyone. They were made for, they, they basically took this album from six different shows. Wow the best tracks the package also comes with a two-part rigid slip case eight mini lp style sleeves along with a 24 page booklet containing brand new sleeve notes by michael hahn who's interviewed phil mogg andy parker and michael shanker and it's just going down through the lists it might be redundant but michael never played the same stuff twice so mm -hmm. This is going to be insane. Yeah. Lights Out was always my favorite. Yeah, I know. It's Live, your, it's just, yeah. I love Cher Cherry and uh, mm -hmm. I love Too Hot to Handle and Dr. Doctor, of course. Yes. And Rock Bottom. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Shoot to Shoot, Pack It Up and Go. Yeah. Hot and Ready. Oh, I got chill. It's just a great, uh, these are the positive things about 2020. Mm-hmm. The music, the but rock, the great albums, yes. Onwards to the next release here. I'm sure you'll be all over this one, Dave. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called King Crimson, 1969. Uh, oh, that's our buddy Eric. Uh, it is our buddy that's Eric. That's our buddy, yeah. And Larry. And la that's who I meant, Larry. Larry, Larry and Eric. No, yeah. and Eric. They're Larry. Both. I'm combining, Larry. Larry. <laughs> combining, names. combining names tonight with Dave. No. <laughs> but uh, they, they basically, um, they just decided to just lay it all out on this. And um, mm -hmm. there's, there's no more... Two disc sets, three disc sets, four disc sets. This is 26 discs of material uh, from from the year 1969. Everything that they've recorded, yeah, in one in one box. Uh, it features a 2020 Dolby Atmos mix by Stephen Wilson, David Singleton, stereo mixes of session material, and so much more, including the original in the court studio album. Every alternate take known to exist. Every mix known to exist, all live recordings from this incarnation of the band that's basically known to exist, and a selection of pre-Crimson 1968 recordings from Giles, Giles, and Fripp. Mm, amazing. The All-Star. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is the album that, uh, you know, mm -hmm. Schizoid Man. Yep. The cla I mean, it's really classic tracks. Oh, it's such a which uh, I think April Wine even covered that. Didn't Did they? they really? I th somebody yeah. did. Yeah, I was going to say somebody. Craziest yeah. bands covered that song, and yep. uh, I think Primus, a bunch of. But uh, this was the album in 1969, where Pete Townsend said it was an uncanny masterpiece. Mm. And I have to agree. This is. Uh, I can't even read all this stuff. It's the, the press release for this is so large, it would probably take us a couple hours, mm. but. Uh, it's being released um, on October 23rd, a week before Halloween. Okay. So, um, there you go. if you're a King Crimson fan, which we are, get your fix. 26 records of joy. Mm, love that. Love it. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <sorry. laughs> no, this next one. That joy is, and uh, psychotic laughter. No, I'm nah. kidding. I'm joking. I mean, what, what's your take on on the Crimson? They're just so they're just so. I mean, Fripp, they're just so diverse. I mean, they're so. They had the lineup. changes. They had the lineup changes, but like they're just so. I mean, they're technicians. They're masterful technicians, you know. And I think, I mean, they get sounds out of their instruments that I could not imagine, you know. Yep. I, I think that's what I appreciate most. They were one of the first bands to kind of do that too. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just set things off. Yeah, it's true. There's a whole scene basically that, mm -hmm. that spawned from. Yeah from those guys and and Genesis for that point. Mm -hmm. Genesis style of playing of course. Right, right. Yep. Like Being, Steve Hackett and yeah. yeah. Uh the next one is David Bowie. Mm. We're coming back to uh, Mr. Bowie again mm -hmm. as we usually do every other week on this show. I apologize. Huge Bowie fan. Oh yeah. Uh originally released in the United States on the 4th of November 1970, The Man Who Sold the World was produced by Tony Visconti and recorded at Trident and, and Vision Studios in London. But was not released until the following April in the UK with mm. diff completely different artwork. Uh, this one is going to be called Metrobolist. I don't know how to say that. Yeah, that, no. was the, that was the original title for the album. Um, it will feature a new 2020 Tony mix 
except for the track After All, where it was considered the original mix could not be improved upon. Mm. So uh, this is coming out very, very soon. As well, it's uh, November 6th. So that's coming out in between okay. record store days as well. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this album, Dave, but it has the width Not of the really circle. No. Oh, all, yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. All the Mad Men, uh, my, one of my favorite songs from Bowie of all time called Black Country Rock. Okay. Uh, which... Uh, the Midlands. Yeah. Yes. We talked to uh, somebody about the Midlands. That's, yeah, we sure did. <laughs> a couple of people, yeah. <laughs> After all, uh, Running Gun Blues, Savior Machine, She Shook Me Cold, Wow, The Man Who Sold the World which Nirvana famously covered in their acoustic mm -hmm. set on yep. MTV. Uh, yes. And the Superman. Gave it new life. Not that it, it needed it, but it he did, did, yeah. It didn't need it, but there's some really, really incredible versions that Bowie recorded as well mm -hmm. that uh, finally saw the light of day um, last year mm. in a set. Okay. And uh, this is going to be the original album. So that that's, if you're a Bowie fan, which, you know, I think probably most of you probably are, um, you're going to want to snap that up. And uh, we'll just go through some real quick stuff. And this one, uh, we'll just break it down quick because we got a, yep. so much stuff for next week that we can't even control ourselves anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, the Doors uh, are releasing a 50th anniversary of Morrison Hotel. Uh, that was their, of course, 1970 release. Mm -hmm. One of their greatest albums of all time. Uh, Roadhouse Blues, Waiting for the Sun, You Make Me Real, Peace Frog, Blue Sunday, Ship of Fools, Land Ho, The Spy, Queen of the Highway, Indian Summer, and Maggie McGill, all classics, of course. And there's a second CD of <clears throat> at least 19 different outtakes and other songs recorded in the sessions, and an album uh, stuck in there as well with the original album and uh, a more uh, tight tightly it looks like produced album artwork and a book describing uh, the times when they recorded it and mm. the sessions around it so uh, if you're a Doors fan uh, that one's coming out on that's that's the nice. quickest one uh, in a couple weeks okay. October 9th sweet so we had to get this one in just because yeah it's perfect yeah uh, those Doors fans but uh, there's so much stuff coming out we got record store day uh, this week coming up Mm -hmm. And we're, we're hoping to bring you a, a quick little interview with Jason, mm -hmm. or also known as... As uh, Jasonica. Jasonica. Yes. And uh, we're hoping to talk to him about uh, what's what's new and what's coming out for this one, because there's one more after this. Mm -hmm. And uh, just doesn't and that's end. that's it. Oh, actually, there's two more. Two more. That's what I was going to yeah. say, yeah. So Sweet. this is drop number two. Okay. Uh, drop one went good, but uh, this is drop two, and there will be a drop three, and then, of course, Black Friday. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Heavy. Vinyl Master has a huge collection. Smile. Oh, yes. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> Diamond Dave. Yes. I'm gonna clean that up in case he went somewhere else. <laughs> no, I'd never do that. Why would I do that to you? I don't know. I would never do that. To you. <laughs> Our next uh, chap that we got to talk to is from Dave's, Diamond Home Dave's hometown. Yeah, uh, this, he's a, been a Facebook friend of mine for a long time. It's uh, one of these things where you don't really know how you connected with somebody. Dave Edwards from the band uh, The Look, uh, Dave Edwards band. And uh, if you, if, you know, he, they were, they have the distinction of being the first Detroit band on MTV back yep. in 81, right? AM yeah. Records yep. uh, and Fantasy Records. Yeah, I'm some sure classic power names. pop, you know? Dave has played with practically everybody. Yes, right? Peter Frampton, uh, Bob oh. Seeger, um, Mitch Ryder. Mitch Ryder, yeah. Um, who was the other? MC5. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I mean, we could go on and on, but he knows so much about the business. Yes. He knows so much about music. And it's a joy getting to bring him on the, the show and talk to him. Yeah, I mean, after uh, seeing all of his stories in line, I said, we got to have him on. So I just sent him a Facebook message, and he was wonderful enough to come on. Uh, he has a Greatest Hits album that's been out for a while, The Best of Dave. Uh, but uh, it's just a sweet, sweet guy and some great stories. you got to check out part of it right now.
it's always a pleasure to talk with rock legends from Detroit. You know, of course, I'm biased because that's yeah. where I'm from, you know. But so <laughs> much good music from all over, but especially Detroit. We're joined by uh, Dave Edwards from uh, The Look and Dave Edwards Band. Uh, and uh, just thank you so much, first of all, for taking the time. Of course, uh, uh, there's a lot You're of... You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. There, there's a lot of, uh, of moments that you're known for. I think in particular, you guys were the first Detroit band on MTV. How cool. Yes. How that's cool. True. I, I might get a little argument from Wally Palmer from the Romantics, but <laughs> yeah, we, we've had a, little, a few discussions, and they tell me that we're the first. Okay. And well. that put us... That actually got us into the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame in 2015. Wow, that's really cool. That was one of the reasons they put us in there. I mean, so uh, yeah. I got in there with Mark Farner. Uh, what's the guy from the... Uh, Mark Farner, Adrenaline. Okay. And I can't remember his name. He's a guitar player for uh, Lou Reed. Oh, um, um, not Robert Quine. Uh, no, I know I know who you mean. Yeah, it's, yeah shoot. Okay. There was Dick Wagner and there was another guy. Yeah. Uh, and Dick right, Wagner, well, who's been on everything. He's played with so many people. Not yeah. Ivan. Not Ivan Kroll. No, was it? He no was... Ivan. You know, I just got to meet him and, and he came to see me. I happened to know his wife and, and she came to the Motor City Muscle Fest, which was uh, last year or the year before. A big festival in downtown Detroit. They went in, uh, it was part of the Dream Cruise. Mm. Right. They had cars outside in Hart Plaza. I mean, it was pretty cool. There's about. 10 different stages but I did get to meet Ivan man and then I passed away jeez yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it's driving us nuts how 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 many people are are uh, leaving us way too soon yeah Tommy DeVito today yeah Tommy DeVito yeah. four Please. seasons yeah yeah yeah, it's one of the reasons why Shane and I we you know put together this show just to talk to artists and not not the only reason, but like just you know to to honor and and talk about tell the stories you know and, and capture mm -hmm. the essence before it goes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's you know that's kind of why I do the thing on Facebook. There, I started that. It was doing people's birthdays. Mm. You know, my my uh, guitar player Bob said, "Yeah, you started doing birthdays, and pretty soon it turned into <laughs> <laughs> all this other stuff." Yeah. Tell us about, take us back, Dave, to like, you know, when you first discovered Detroit Rock. I mean, what it was like coming up and, you know, just. When I discovered, I was young. I, um, back in, when I was in grade school, I think I started listening to CKLW, which was the big AM station here. Yeah. They played black and white music together. I mean, they, you'd hear the Supremes and then you'd hear the Beatles. And, uh, that radio station really had a big impact on me. And of course, my parents, both of my parents, uh, my dad dabbled in drums a little bit after he got out of the military. And he was a pretty good singer, but my mom really was the key to me. She played piano, classical piano. Oh, right and, on. Uh, yeah, and that's where I got it. And I, I had a little band um, when I was 10 years old, and we made uh, $10 mm. at, a, at, a, at a friend's house party. I said, wow, I can make $10 singing? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> so then uh, I've had bands in grade school and high school, and uh started recording around 1970 69 i believe it was i made a record and i sent it out and they sent me back a, a vinyl record of 45 two of my own songs and i've just been in a band ever since i was little yeah yeah know? then right now the only reason we're not playing is because of the of the covid right. going around and a lot of clubs aren't open around here I don't know how it is in Philadelphia. It's the but same way, yeah. yeah everything's everything's just sitting vacant. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, I mean they they only have like twenty percent capacity, so the, the clubs aren't paying. And you know, I mean, it's pretty bad. I mean, well, I want everybody to be safe, but I also want to play. I haven't played since March seventh. Yeah. <laughs> I, and when you go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I know that. Uh, I don't know if you've been writing or not, but what, what's it been like, uh, you know, in this, this scenario where we're basically just trapped? Uh, have you been creative at all? Have you been able to be more creative? Yeah, I got a, you know, I got a, a couple studios in my house. They're they're just right systems, you know. They're they're not uh, a real recording studio, but yeah, I got I've been doing demos, you know, and just playing a little bit, trying to keep my chops up because mm -hmm. you get a little rusty when you lay around, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What keeps you inspired? I got some friends who go, they, there are some places open, like out, outdoor decks and things like that, but it's, it's starting to get cold in Michigan, you know? Yeah. I don't know how it's getting. This week's going to be in the 80s here, but that's going to be about it, I think. 
I'm jealous of yeah. that. It's been, uh, we've been, I'm we wearing a, shorts now, but I'm yeah. going to have to switch over to jeans. We had a cold jeans. spell. At, <laughs> yeah. We had a cold spell where everyone uh, had to turn their heat on for the first time in September in probably uh, 30 years. So Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was really, it hit you. Just a quick. couple days though, so. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you mentioned that, yeah, you know. Yeah, so I'm, back to that, I'm writing, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have drums here, I have a, a bass guitar, and uh, I play multiple instruments, so. Yeah, I got I got more than enough work to do. Sure. Yeah. What inspires you when you write uh, these days? Um. Well, I just got to get a good melody in my head. Then I try to you know learn learn the parts on guitar. Then I start writing the lyrics. It, it, it happens all different ways. You know. Mm. It, I can't describe how I do it because it's all different every time. Yeah. But I do have this album I'll call Best of Dave, which my wife was bugging me. I mean, I've had 15 albums and like 15 singles over mm -hmm. you know, 40 years. Right. And um, she said, well, you know, people ask me when I'm selling records at the gigs, why don't you have all, you know, a whole record of all of your own stuff? And I said, honey, I already did that live. <laughs> I, have a, I have a record that I did at the Henry Ford Community College. They have a college radio station there. Mm -hmm. And we did a whole album in an hour. And every song was mine. Wow. So I have to remind her of that. But... <laughs> <laughs> so I did another one called The Best of Dave. It's been out. It's been out just a year. Okay. September nineteenth. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what? Tell us about like. I mean, when you write, when you play music, do you feel the heritage of um, you know Michigan? I mean, what's because there's there's rock bands from all over, you know. But I always felt like there's a whether it's a younger well, there's a band. Different, yeah, I yeah. think you know a Bob. The first guy I ever saw, I was fifteen in Pontiac. I grew up in Pontiac, Michigan. Okay. And uh, I saw Bob Seeger at St. Michael's Catholic Church. It was actually the Seeger system. Mm. Oh, they're so good. Mm. Yeah, they were a trio at the oh. time, you know? Pep Perrine and uh, Dan Honaker and Bob. Mm -hmm. And ended up years later opening for him. Like, I opened for him in 74 um, a couple times in Flint and in Traverse City. That's cool. So, I, you know, I got to meet one of my heroes. I don't have a picture with him. I really regret not having cell phones in the old days. You know? <laughs> right? <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got to sing with Steve Marriott of Humble Pie right on the same mic. Mm. In, uh, I think it was in Columbus, Ohio. And we were open for him. And he's standing back by the stage going, can I come up? Can I come up? Because we were doing <laughs> Hallelujah, I Just Love Her So, the Ray Charles song. Yeah. That Humble Pie did. And, uh. He's going, can I come up? I go, hell yeah, <laughs> get up here. <laughs> so I, and if I had a cell phone, that would have been a great selfie, you know. And, you know, playing with Joe Cocker and Jeff Healy, Chuck Berry, John Cafferty. We did Ray Charles, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Mark Farner, the Kinks, mm. Gary Glitter, Marty Ballin. God, too many people even, God, this list is huge. Is, is it hard to pick a favorite? I know you said Seager was like your, your childhood kind of hero right but was it oh yeah 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 bob i just you know and he just retired i didn't get to see the last few shows but he sold out like six nights here at pine knob uh, yeah. that's our outdoor that's our outdoor thing here yeah dave you know about that right oh yeah no, yep yeah i still call it pine knob it was dte i think when it was in college yeah, it, changed DTE, to, yeah. it changed over to dte but i refuse to call it that i saw yeah. uh, a couple of Ozfests there i saw sticks there um there's a lot of bands. I think uh, Kiss had some. I played there about ten oh, yeah? times. I've opened for the Jay Giles band. Like I think it was five nights in a row. They used wow. when they come here. They used to get local bands. Oh, that's we cool. Did, yeah. We did a stint with them. I think it was five nights. Yeah. Can't remember, but I know I got it. It's on YouTube. Yeah. So I do have a YouTube channel and I have uh, my website. Yeah, I saw some that's of the videos on there. That, that, what's that? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, that's what I've been working okay. on too. Is uh, I got a new website. It's called it's www.thelookde.net. Okay, cool. So I've been putting songs up there. You know, little little gems in my. Uh, I have a lot of lot of music recorded. And I've been putting yeah. up little gems. Absolutely. Among other things, you know. <laughs> when, you know when you were doing I, the when you were doing this record, um, what like was it hard to pull? Because you have fifteen albums. Was it hard to pull? songs that you wanted to go on onto the best of dave you know actually my wife picked them you know okay. that's really weird she picked them and and she also picked this one song there's a video that i do with jimmy bones jimmy's the keyboard player for kid rock yeah and he's yeah. i met him in 2007 in florida and we just became fast friends he's great and uh, he's been on every one of my albums since but 
she picked Bring It On Home to me. There's a video mm-hmm. of me and Jimmy on uh, YouTube. And so she picked that one, and then she said, you know what, I'm going to pick the other one. I said, go ahead, hon. You know? I learned that two words in a marriage. Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> it works truth. every time. That's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, uh, she picked them, and so it, it made it easier for me, you know. I did put one brand new one on there, though. It was a song that I did. I opened for the Pope, if you can believe that. That's the biggest gig I ever did, and that was 33 years ago at the Silverdome when the Pope came. Yeah, yeah I remember I you telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What was that the like? The only in history to ever open for a Pope. That is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what the heck? 93,000 people. That was your biggest crowd, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I played. I've done some big crowds, but that one is unmatched. What's it you like know, to it, go out in front of ninety three thousand people? Uh, well, the the vice president of the United States was there too, uh, George H W. Uh, that was it was in eighty seven. Mm, yeah. It was September nineteenth, nineteen eighty seven. It was my hometown too. Yeah, Pontiac Silverdome. You know, oh, it's yeah. not there anymore. But what is it like? I don't know. You know, usually when I go out, I usually, I'm nervous for like the first song. Right. Then once we settle in, it's just like old home week. I just, I've been on stage most of my life. So first time was five years old in a school play. So (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd still find it hard to settle down with 93,000 people looking at me. And well, yeah, I mean, it does. If the crowd picks you up, you got to go with the wave. I mean, it's it's hard to explain to people who don't do it. Right. The crowd. When you go out, the band's rocking, right? But the crowd, they start, they really are into it. They lift you up a notch or two, you know? And you feed off that energy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's back and forth, back and forth. And you can you can tell, I mean, as a singer or as a performer, I can tell when they're right in the palm of your hand. You can tell. Yeah. You can feel it. You can do just about anything. It's it's fun. It's, it's the only reason why I keep doing it. It's just so much fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I wonder, too, I bet, like, you know, do you see, you know, familiar faces over the years that come back, you know? You know oh, yeah. Like, what's yeah, that What's that, that like? It, oh, that's great. I mean, it's, it, for them to come back, I mean, I come from the era where we, where we played six nights a week at the same bar. So people would come back every night. I don't know how they did it and then go to work the next day. Right. Because yeah. I could go home and, you know, sleep all day. And then... <laughs> <laughs> That's usually what musicians do, up at night, sleep all day. Yeah, that's it. Up all night, sleep Joe all day, Walsh. right? <laughs> that's it, yeah. <laughs> Joe Walsh, Funk 49. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So the the power pop obviously was a big big part of, of who, you know, your style of music. Your, your, uh... Yeah, we were, we were a power pop band. I would say that we were closely aligned with Cheap Trick, who we opened for right. a few times. I mean, that band, they're, they're a little more power rock than we are, but... Or we were, yeah. you know. But new wave, we had a little bit of new wave, but we we were power pop, you know. Well, what was that time like? Um, there there was a lot of the, the new wave. There was a lot of the power pop kind of bands trying to figure. Yeah, which... the Romantics and us and yeah. uh, the Cadillac Kids. We had a we had a scene here in Detroit. There was Adrenaline, um, Bittersweet Alley. Dave, you remember some of these names? I, bittersweet, I yeah, I vaguely, vaguely remember them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's more. I, there's uh, Toby Red. I mean, in Detroit, in the early late seventies, early eighties, the radio stations WABX and mm-hmm. W four, and some of the FM stations were playing local music right next to say the Beatles or or the Stones. I mean, ABX being a pioneering radio station, you know, it was mm-hmm. underground. They, they played more than the hits. They did the deep FM stuff. But these guys would play local music. And so you'd get a band like ours to headline summer concerts in Hart Plaza, mm-hmm. which holds about 20,000 people. Yeah. And there'd be 20,000 people. Oh, my God. They had awesome. free concerts on Tuesdays. And they had all the local bands that had songs on the radio. Yeah. Something like that would probably never happen again. I mean, yeah, it, you're right. It's shame, too, because... It's so national. Yeah, it's the national acts and everything. No, you're right. Cause I, and that's what I love about growing up in, in Detroit. I mean, I'm 37, so I'm, you know, I, I kind of caught my sort of the tail end. But even listening to radio growing up, you know, I, yeah. I got the feeling, you know, they, they kind of painted the picture of what it was like, you know, when there was the, the love was balanced for the national bands, just like the local bands. And, and it yeah, made I the mean, Detroit thing, amazing. yeah, made it more, more even more special, you know. Well, guys like Arthur Penhollow, who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and my, one of my best friends, Steve yeah. Costan. Yeah. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
And uh, Steve got in because he never left. He, he was still on the radio yep. 40 years later. But mm. And then there was guys like Doug Podell who did a lot for... Uh, the Doc of Doug Rock. Yes. yes. What? <laughs> the Doc what of Rock, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Doc of Rock, yeah. Yeah. Good friend. I mean, there was a scene in town. There's, it, it was not, It's never going to happen again. It was like a golden age from probably, let's say, 77 to 84, mm-hmm. maybe 85. God, I miss those times. Yeah, I yeah. really do. It was I, it was kind of the same here, uh, David. It was, it's it, really? There was we didn't have like the bands that, that that Detroit had, but we had the Hooters, which went on to be. Oh, I love the Hooters. And uh, Hooters. they got played when they were still local on most of the, the stations. And we had uh, right. a band called Kicks K I X. They were out. Yeah, of, that, that sounds familiar too. Yeah. They were out of Chambersburg. They were like a hard rock, and then they went more towards metal. Um, mm-hmm. But um, they they really nurtured this. The radio stations really nurtured and uh, catered to a lot of these bands to try to make you know Cinderella was well, another they made group. A scene. They, they, yeah. they turned it into a scene because you'd have them on the radio and the clubs would be full and uh, you know the concerts would be full. They'd throw free concerts on Bell Isle, free concerts on Plaza. I mean, there was a scene that they created a scene. I don't think it'll ever happen again. But there's something in the water in the Detroit River. I, I swear yeah, that. Yeah. The, the, with so many bands coming from here over the years, I mean, there's got to be something in the water. It's yep. just... Yeah. That's few, all I can describe it as. You know, Pontiac's, I, got, Pontiac's got the Clinton River. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, the same. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that a few years back when Pop Evil broke. I think it was about 10 years ago oh, or so. I love that band. Yeah, too. they're great, man. I talked to those guys. I, they said the same thing. They were opening. I mean, they, they shot up big. They were opening up for like White Snake and all these other people, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Greta Van Fleet now. And it's like, it's still amazing. Oh, how I love he, them guys too, Yeah, man. they're great. I mean, oh. They're great. It's just so awesome how these guys still, you know, they're still my their heart. My friend Marlon Young, my friend Marlon Young from Kid Rock, he, he is the lead guitarist for Kid Rock, yeah. man. He produces... Uh, Greta Van Fleet. Nice, nice, yeah. so cool. Yeah, it's so to yeah, see yeah, that. Yeah, Uncle Cracker. Uh, rock's good, um, but you know those those guys are on a different level. But yeah. back in the day, we had a scene, there, and there was nothing like it. All the bands pretty much got along. There was mm-hmm. really no egos, no fights, and uh, you know, I just can't believe that uh, it can't be recreated. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I guess Jack White was pretty. Was he a, oh, I love Jack White too. Yes, I'm glad you reminded me of these people. And the Von Bondies, I think mm-hmm. I can't remember. The if Von Bondies, yes. Yeah, I mean, what, what, uh, kind of walk us through what it was like in the '70s with, with the scene in Detroit and what what it was like growing up in that. Well, I, again, the look started in '77. Um, we gave it, and you know, funny thing about that. We're gonna rock the song. It's probably the big, one of the bigger songs right. that we're known for. Mm-hmm. We're gonna rock or you can't sit down, which is yeah. a Philly song. Yeah, right. Can't sit down is a Philly song. Yep. But uh, we used to play Ann Arbor a lot. Uh, the second chance in Ann Arbor. I mean, I played there with Joe Cocker, uh, a cheap trick I already said, but mm-hmm. uh, it's just this, I don't know. There's just so many concerts, and you had to really decide which ones to go to, you know, because you couldn't make them all. That's a, that's another regret I have by by playing so much. Sometimes you miss people. You know, right. you, your friends are playing across town, and you like to go see them. But no, oh, I got a gig, man. I got to yeah. play too. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. What was it? Um, was it easy to sort of pair up? Like, I mean, for that reason, to sort of like you know put in the early days, kind of put a, a little bill together or something like that. I mean, how did that work? You know, that that's true. Uh, that, that started with the, the band. I forgot to mention the Rockets. Okay. Right? The, oh yeah. Those guys from Mitch Ryder and Detroit Wheels yes. and spun off and the Rockets. They started. We we and them and Mitch too also would pair up in bars. We'd go on at ten. They'd go on at midnight. So we started concerts in bars, which is unheard of. I mean, yeah. A lot of the bar owners would be tearing their hair out, going, "Why are you guys playing originals? You should be playing. You should be playing this hit by Aerosmith or yeah. this hit by." And then they finally realized that it was working. So. Yeah. How much pressure yeah. was there to do that? Like, um, I mean, to because some British bands they've even said the same thing. It's like you know, um, you know, play covers, play covers. You know, th- th- yeah. it was always a risk to not, you know, to hear other stuff. You know, bar the bar folks were worried about you know losing, you know, losing interest oh, or whatever. But tear their hair, yeah. Why are you guys playing? You should be playing disco, or you, you 
know, because <laughs> in the late seventies, it was disco against rock and roll. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Yep. But uh, yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, I miss those days. Lots of stuff, but no news this week, as we had news in the form of interviews. So Ow! we wanted to get straight to it, and uh, boy, here we are at the finish line. How about that? Yeah, we're just trying to make this uh, tight and lean and mean. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but uh, we've had some great... We, uh, we did a few interviews this week. This is about the busiest week we've had. We've got yeah. a lot more to share with you next week, of course. The full part one of our interview with Rob Halford. Confess the autobiography, his book, A Riveting Read. And, uh, of course, uh, more from Steve Kilby. Part two. And Part two. Uh, Steve will be talking about his influences. Yes. Uh, working with the church and uh, so much more. Mm -hmm. We covered a large amount of ground with Steve. And yeah. it was just a blast. It was. It was great. And so, thanks uh, to Rob and Steve for talking to us this week. And yeah. we can't wait to share more with you guys. Absolutely. We're so excited. It was just such an exciting time to talk with them and you know, quickly turn those interviews around and share them with you. And, uh, hey, we're going to keep rolling through this thing. And uh, I call it the lockdown tapes. Everyone's kind of locked down. Well, not so much now. But <laughs> although, depending on where you are in the world, and, uh, you know, we're putting up the tapes. So giving yeah. you something to listen to and get through and listen to the music, too, that goes along with uh, these great artists yep. as well. So uh, stay safe out there, folks. We're back before you know it. Rock and roll, baby. Yeah.